listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What's up, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media and Level Water. Level Water is a New Orleans-based bottled water company providing a sustainable, reliable brand of water that relates to this generation and its ever-growing health-conscious lifestyle. Make sure to go check them out at levelwaterco.com or on Instagram at levelwaterco. That's levelwaterco Instagram. Go check it out. They have some cool stuff there on their Instagram page. And again, like I said, welcome inside another edition of Straight Up Saints. It's going to be a fun one. We got a lot to talk about for this one. And for those watching the video format and asking, yes, this is a Dylan Panthers shirt from Friday Night Lights. Matt Saracen, not my favorite quarterback on the show. I'm more of a Vince Howard guy, but I'll rock with Saracen for this uh, Monday. You'll hear it on a Tuesday, but this Monday night as of this recording. And a lot to get to for this one. And the first thing I want to talk about is actually something that is not technically pertaining to the Saints in terms of the NFC South it's big but in terms of the Saints it doesn't affect their roster but the Carolina Panthers acquiring Sam Darnold in a massive trade with the New York Jets now I know some people don't necessarily think it's a massive trade but there's a lot of implications here for starters the Jets are drafting Zach Wilson that is official they're going with the BYU product who is in my opinion probably the most fun to watch on tape when you look at just the arm talent. He has, he makes some Mahomes-esque throws. Now, is he going to be Mahomes? No, especially because he's going to New York. I just don't know if that necessarily will work out, but that that's one dominant fall. Number two for the Panthers. This takes them out of the Watson sweepstakes, at least for now, although I think the Watson lawsuits obviously take him out of any sweepstakes for the time being. This means they're not going to draft a quarterback in the first round because you don't trade a 2022 second, a 2022 fourth, and a 2021 sixth. Three picks for Sam Darnold and then draft a quarterback with the first round pick at eight. That makes no sense. So that takes them out of that. It creates the opportunity for another team, whether it is the Saints or the Washington football team or the New England Patriots or the Chicago Bears, anyone, really. Denver Broncos throw them in there too to just trade up and maybe get a Justin Fields or a Mac Jones or a Trey Lance, basically anyone who the Niners don't take at three. That's why there's a lot going into this. Now, from the NFC South perspective, what does this trade mean? Well, what are the Panthers getting in Sam Darnold? It's kind of the same thing you ask yourself with the New Orleans Saints. Hey, what are they getting in Jameis Winston? The answer is we don't really know because with Jameis, there's an uncertainty. You know, we know that the arm talent's there and he did some nice things in Tampa Bay because frankly, he was the number one pick for a reason. The arm talent's great. He can throw the ball down the field. They could stretch the field, like we said, vertically. And in terms of IQ, I know you don't think you see it because of the 30 picks, but everyone says Jameis's football knowledge is off the charts. So again, there's reasons he was the first pick. There's reasons he was a Heisman winner. There's reasons that he won a national championship. Darnold, really talented kid out of USC. A lot of people thought maybe the Giants should have taken him at two or the Browns should have taken him at one. Well, he goes to three, goes to the Jets. It never works out. He has two head coaches. He's got Todd Bowles and he has Adam Gase. Now, Bowles is a defensive head coach, so that one didn't really work out. And then Adam Gase is regarded by many as one of the worst coaches that we've seen in football the last couple of years. Just ask guys who left their system and flourished, like a Ryan Tannehill, Devontae Parker flourished after Gase left the Dolphins. We saw Kenyon Drake not doing anything. The Dolphins goes to the Cardinals, has a nice career there, kind of jumpstarts himself to a nice contract with the Raiders. So is all of the struggles of Sam Darnold to you know, do we put the blame on Gase kind of like we put some of the blame for Winston on Tampa Bay and Arian systems very no risk it no biscuit what are we doing it's in my opinion for the most part the same situation except there's one big difference and it and it is a big difference Carolina is investing way more in Sam Darnold than the Saints are investing in Jameis Winston what do I mean by that Carolina is trading 
three draft picks. The Saints didn't trade draft picks for Jameis Winston. They got him after the Tampa Bay Buccaneers didn't want him anymore. And then they re-signed him in the offseason on a very team-friendly deal that really is just a one-year prove-it contract. Do you want to get paid? All right. Show us that you are a former number one pick for a reason. Show us you can be a franchise quarterback. You're going to make your money. Another thing, and this is more important than even the draft picks, goes back to the financial. You guys know Jameis's deal and how team-friendly it is. Sam Darnold, while on a team-friendly deal because this is the fourth year of his rookie contract, he would not be team-friendly next year if the Panthers choose to pick up his fifth-year option. Now, here's the important part. You are not trading two uh, 2022 selections, a lot of twos right there, for a quarterback who you're not going to pick up the fifth-year option. That would make no sense to just let Darnold this be a contract year. Let's say he plays well, then you got to re-up with the big contract. No, makes more sense to, this is his fourth year. You pick up the option for the fifth year, and then you get two years to figure out what you want with Darnold. But the caveat is you are going to pay him a lot for that 2022 season. It's going to be about like $20 million, maybe even more to pay him. That's a lot of money to invest in Darnold when we don't know what he is yet. We know that he's turnover prone. We know that he hasn't completed over 60% of his career passes. Not great. And we know that he saw ghosts on Monday Night Football against the Patriots. Those are the three things we know about Sam Darnold right now. No, but seriously, I like Darnold coming out of college. I just don't know if what he has can be fixed. Because with Jameis Winston, there was some good with the bad. There was a lot of bad, but there was a lot of good too. For example, he threw 30 picks. He did throw for 5,000 yards. He did throw for 33 touchdowns. So there's good with the bad. Darnold, you're getting a lot of bad and only you know, little strands of good, a nice throw against the Colts in garbage time, a nice throw against the Niners in garbage time, a nice throw against the Bills in garbage time, reoccurring theme. I'm not here to just rip the Panthers move. I'm just saying there is a lot of risk involved. Now, he is going to play with better weapons than he's played before. He's got CMC. He's got DJ Moore. He's got Robbie Anderson, who he played with the Jets. So there's chemistry there. That's good for him. He's also got a tight end who you guys know very well, Dan Arnold. So you got that Darnold to Arnold connection. See what I did there? No, not really. I'm kidding. But seriously, you got Darnold and you got Arnold. You got a lot going on with that one. I think the weapons are there. And Matt Rule is obviously a better coach than Adam Gase. But I need to see. And, and when I look at the NFC South, does this change the division standings? No, because I still would put Tampa Bay first. I would put New Orleans second. And then I probably Carolina third and Atlanta fourth, and then we'll see what happens. So it doesn't really change my standings, but I think it's very interesting because you have the Jet, uh, not the Jets, excuse me, you have the Panthers, and you got the Saints both doing the same thing. Can we revitalize a top three picks career en route to finding that next franchise quarterback? That's what's really fascinating to me. Don't hate the deal at all for the Panthers. Definitely don't hate the deal at all for the Jets. You're going to get Wilson. You restart that rookie contract clock. Frankly, you get a better prospect with Zach Wilson. And more importantly, you do get three picks. Three picks. I know two, four, six might not sound sexy in terms of draft compensation, but believe me, that's pretty good. Especially for a guy like Darnold who hasn't done much, if anything at all, in his NFL career yet. You take that haul. So good job for the Jets GM, Doug, uh, Joe Douglas. I guess good job for the Panthers relocating what they wanted to do when they realized Watson's not getting traded this year because there's a lot of things, a lot of things bigger than football that need to be taken care of before Watson can get traded. So, it's interesting. It will obviously affect the NFC uh, landscape if Darnold can revitalize his career, but more importantly, also affects the football landscape because now Darnold going to the Panthers opens up the door for another quarterback trade or quarterback signing, and that's with Teddy Bridgewater, who is in the second year of a three-year deal he signed with the Panthers. Didn't look good last season. Let's just call it what it is. And now with Darnold there, he's not going to be the starter. Who are we kidding? Darnold's going to be the starter. 
what happens with Teddy Bridgewater? Does he lower his contract to be the backup to Darnold? I don't know. Does he get traded? I think that's a possibility. But who also wants to take on $20 million per year for a quarterback who we saw in a starting role is pretty limited. That's the question. Now, I got on Twitter a lot, and I'm going to answer it here for you guys. I didn't answer it on Twitter, so I'll answer it on the Straight Up Saints podcast for you. I don't think the Saints should reconsider some reunion with Teddy Bridgewater unless he gets cut and it's like a, a minimum deal where they don't have to pay much. And the reason being, one, he does cost a lot of $20 million for a team that has $2.5 million in cap space. I don't see how that math checks out at all. I'm sure Mickey Loomis can make it work, but I don't see how the math checks out. And you also need to save money for your draft class, which, by the way, I'm going to talk about the draft in just a little bit. And then I rather, and this is coming from a guy who has defended Teddy Bridgewater a whole lot on this podcast, I would rather see what the Saints can do with Jameis then roll back the Teddy thing again because I know what they are with Teddy. They are a very limited offense who is going to win with good defense. Well, I got a a little thing for you here. They are not going to have that great of a defense this year with the way they're losing pieces. You lose Hendrickson. You lose Rankins. You lose Malcolm Brown. You lose Quan Alexander. You lose Janoris Jenkins. You lost a lot of pieces. So you can't bank on your defense being as good as they were during that five-game stretch with Teddy Bridgewater and and expect that to be okay. So you're going to need to score points. You have a better chance of scoring points with Jameis Winston than you do with Teddy Bridgewater. Now, I'm going to be fair. Jameis Winston can lose you a game just as much as he can win you a game. So that's the hard part to figure out. Teddy Bridgewater, you're going to win with, not because of, and it's finding that balance. But I'd rather the Saints run it with Winston, see what they got there, and you could turn the pitch because I know what Teddy is. Now, Teddy's an outstanding man, but he is a limited quarterback. Jameis Winston, I, I know he's sporadic, can you find a way to make it work? That's the question. And, and I'd rather take the unknown than the known when the known's limited. So for that reason, I'm out, just like Shark Tank. But seriously, I'm out on the whole Teddy coming back to New Orleans thing. I just don't think it's going to work. I think it makes much more sense. If he goes to Washington, maybe battles that with Fitzpatrick or goes to Denver, battles that with Drew Locke. I think those are better places and places that can use Teddy Bridgewater more than the Saints. I don't think the Saints need Teddy Bridgewater right now. So for that, I'm going to cross that off. I'm not banking on a reunion. Let's talk about another quarterback. And this one pissed you guys off a lot. Don't even lie to me. When I tweeted about it, you guys liked it. And also, for some reason, you guys found that tweet funny that I had about it. But on Saturday, it comes out, the Saints, in quotes, like Kyle Trask to be the replacement to Drew Brees. It comes from ESPN insider Jeremy Fowler. Very reputable source. Not going to knock Jeremy Fowler at all. And I, when I first found out, because the report came out on April 3rd, I tweeted, in response, April Fool's was two days ago. I don't know why so many of you liked it. I think I got like 2,000 likes and I was like confused as to why. I know when I have good memes, like if I got a good office joke or a good Marvel joke, I know I can I can get a good meme out there to make you guys laugh. That one confused me as to why it made you guys laugh so much, but I'll take it, you know. But regarding the report, it's interesting to me. I, I don't I don't buy it. And I do think Kyle Trask is Sean Payton's mold. He's got the height. He's got the, the accuracy. He runs on script. He, like, he knows what decisions he wants to make. But my problem with the whole Kyle Trask thing is it's going to cost you probably a third-round pick, which you can use on a starter, whether that's defensive line, linebacker, corner, receiver, something I'll talk about in just a sec. Do you want to use that on Kyle Trask? When, and if you bring Kyle Trask in, all right. You know he's not starting this year. It's either Jameis or Taysom, probably Jameis. What happens? I I don't know. So I do like that he's accurate. 
I do like all the production he had at Florida, especially his last season. But there's also concerns. He's not really a – he doesn't have a lot of experience. He didn't have a lot of experience in high school. He literally didn't even start in high school because I think De'Ara King was on his roster back in high school. And then on the flip side, you have in college, Felipe Franks starting for Florida. Franks goes down. Trask comes in, seizes his moment. That's a good thing. But he has basically a year and a half of starting experience. So it's not that much, which cracks me up, though, because we can't wait to say that Trey Lance has no starter experience. But we let it slide for some people. Interesting. But I like the accuracy. I do like the production. I think he's a smart kid. Uh, My question is, can he make plays off script? And when things aren't going right, can he adjust? Because we only had one game last year where we saw he couldn't play with his main weapons. Kyle Pitts opted out. Grimes wasn't playing. Okay, those guys aren't showing up for the game against Oklahoma in the bowl game. They're preserving their body for the NFL. Got it. Threw multiple interceptions. Did it look good? Probably the worst way to finish it off. And it was weird because Trask was considered a fringe first rounder. And now you never hear his name in the first two rounds. It's always like a third round, fourth round guy. Now, if it's fourth round, sign me the hell up. If it's third round, maybe, maybe. But I'm still a little hesitant as to whether or not I I would agree with the pick. Overall, it's something that I'm not crazy about. Kyle Trask, for me, I think he might be just like a better Jake Fromm. Uh, now, Trask definitely had more production. I never understood the Jake Fromm hype. He peaked in his freshman year, which you never want to see. And funny enough, they could have kept Justin Fields and told Jake Fromm to hit the curb, but they did the other way around. And it's funny how that works because Justin Fields is going to be a top five pick, in my opinion. And Jake Fromm is the third string on the Bills. But besides the point, I think if the Saints are going to take a guy in the middle round, I think I would rather them take like a Davis Mills from Stanford or a Kellen Mond from Texas A&M or even a Jamie Newman from Wake Forest. So I think if there are mid-round guys, I think there are other quarterbacks who might have some qualities that I think Sean can really see that and say, okay, if it all clicks for him, this will be his calling card. What is Kyle Trask's calling card? Being accurate? Okay, but is he particularly Drew Brees accurate? My answer is no. Like, that's why when you guys all get at me when I say that I like Mac Jones, I like Mac Jones because decision-making second to none, and he's deadly accurate, especially in the intermediate game. I'm not saying Trask isn't accurate because the numbers show that he is. I'm just saying I don't see the same grip it and rip it the way I see it with Mac Jones, if that makes sense to you guys. So I'm not going to put too much stock in this report. I know when I saw it, you guys went, oh, Kyle Trask, more like Kyle Trash. I think I reused that joke, so I don't know why I'm making fun of it. But I would not put too much stock into Sean Payton only tells you what he wants you to know. And what you find out, it's usually, you know, Two days later, he's going to tell you, I probably lied to you about that one. So I wouldn't go too crazy on the Kyle Trask thing. Now, last thing for this straight up Saints, and it's probably good for this episode. It's probably going to take a little bit more time than everything else. I want to talk about the NFL draft, and I tweeted about it. So let's get to business. I said I was going to do two mock drafts from different sites. We got Pro Football Network on one. We got the Draft Network on the other. And we're going to compare the two and see what happens, how they shaped out and just a little disclaimer. One of them, I did no trades. The other one, I actually did a trade back in the mid rounds, which is unrealistic because the Saints never do that. But it, for me personally, if I was a GM, I liked it. So that's why I went for it. But let's get into it. I'll give you guys the first one. And that is the Pro Football Network one. Then we'll go to the Draft Network. We'll do a little compare, contrast why I liked these players and which draft I think I'd rather have. Now let's get to the Pro Football Network one. Pick 28. There wasn't that many options on the board. There was a guy who I liked, though, and if you check out my Twitter, which you probably do, 
I like Greg Newsom from Northwestern a lot. He's got the track speed. He can break in and out. Uh, he's he's great in terms of recovery speed, smart, physical corner, great football IQ. Put it this way, there's not a thing about Greg Newsom I don't like. I think he actually has a little bit of some Lattimore, Ohio State trends, tendencies to him, which I like a ton. And at 28, it was basically either him or maybe go edge rusher and, you know, like a Greg Russo. I, I, I preferred Newsom. I think that the Saints cornerback is a huge need. Talked about with Amy just last week. They need a second corner. Regardless of what happens with the whole Adam or felony stuff, they need a second corner. So I want to see what happens there. Second round, this is where it got interesting because second round, I know the Saints need linebacker. And I think if there's one thing that I regret from this particular mock, it was the linebacker position. But I'm a man of value. And what I mean by that is if there's value that's too good to pass up, I got to do it. So I'm sitting there at pick 60 in this simulator and I could take a linebacker. Uh, the best linebacker available, I think was Davis from Kentucky, but Rondell Moore was there and Rondell Moore. There's a lot to unpack. The injury history is a concern. His height is a concern, but that's a first round prospect or a guy with a first round grade at pick 60. And I know this is not real life, but if it was real life, I'm not passing that up. It's Rondell Moore. and I get it. He's 5'7", five, 5'8", five, maybe 5'9 on a good day. Probably not really 5'8 on a good day. But the speed's there. When healthy, freshman season at Purdue, one of the best seasons I've ever seen. I actually was so disappointed with the way the last two seasons ended for Rondale because he started off so great. And when you do that, you could only kind of go downhill. And as we saw, that's what happened with the injuries and then COVID hit and not a good combination. But Rondale Moore has that kind of like Debo Samuel quality to him where you just get the ball in his hands. I don't care if it's a pitch. I don't care if it's an actual route. I don't care if you got to throw behind the line of scrimmage. Get the ball in his hands and let him go to work. And I think with Rondale, one, you get that wide receiver too. More importantly, I think, and this is actually like a subplot to getting another wide receiver in this draft. Deontay Harris, and I love him, and I think his development's been really good. We need to have a serious discussion about, I don't know if his body can handle being a receiver and being a kick returner, because then I think he might get a little too banged up. And if that's the case, you got to think about getting another receiver and keeping your all-pro returner in the role that he's an all pro at. So with Rondale, you get that speed receiver, you get that number two, like a, bo a bona fide number two, and the value is too good. I'm not passing that up. I am sorry. So I cross off my cornerback need, cross off my receiver need. Let's go to round three. And at round three, I filled a need that not enough people are talking about interior defensive line, something to consider. And I went with Marlon Tupelotu from USC, hell of a name. Hell of a player, hell of a kid. Uh, I was actually fortunate enough to interview him a couple of months ago. I believe it was like February, early February. Got him right after the, you know, all the, you know, all the hype ended from the senior bowl and whatnot. And from what I got, he is a, in my opinion, an ascending kid who you don't have to worry about his work ethic. You don't have to worry about his passion for the game. He's got all that. And I think he's someone who might be able to give you two sacks from the interior or three sacks from the interior. And you're not asking for a whole lot from your defensive tackles, but if you can get that and you can get a guy who can turn into a three down player, I like it. Now he's not the best interior defensive lineman from USC because they also have Jay uh, Tufele from uh, their school. Who's very good, very good prospect. But I think Marlon gave me pretty good value. I picked 98. More importantly, he fills a position to need. He's not necessarily my favorite interior defensive lineman because we'll talk about it in a little bit in the other draft. I got a guy who I really like, but I, I personally just love getting an interior defensive lineman who you can trust, and I think he's one of them. Let's move into the fourth round. Got to fill that edge. Got to fill that edge. And I got Dalen Hayes from Notre Dame. 
Dalen Hayes is an interesting study case because he did battle a shoulder injury for 2019, didn't play that much. 2020 comes back, has some really good moments. He sometimes disappears, and I guess that would be the worry in taking Dalen, but he's also going to be a fourth-round guy for you. So if you're taking him in the fourth round, you're not necessarily expecting a star out of it. You're expecting a situational pass rusher. Can Dalen Hayes become a situational pass rusher? Yes. And funny enough with Dalen, we were talking about, because uh, I also had a chance to talk to him, we were talking about guys he likes to watch on film. One of his favorites is Cam Jordan. So I find that fascinating. Dalen, for me, was just good value at 124. That's where I kind of expect him to go, especially after a really strong showing at his pro day. So, so far, we finished cor- We uh, got a corner, a receiver, a defensive tackle, and an edge rusher. Now we finally address linebacker, and this is why this draft kind of irks me a little bit. And I probably should have done more than two, but I will do more than two in the future. Garrett Wallow from T- uh, TCU. I think the Saints met with him for an hour. And look. He's a, he's a good prospect. I'm not going to sit here and tell you he's not, but that's not what you want from your linebacker. Now, the good thing is he's a safety converted to a linebacker, so I think in terms of coverage, he's going to give you what you want. Uh, he's a pretty good tackler in the run game, at least from what I've been able to uh, see. Here's where I'm a little concerned. The speed isn't like a Jabril Cox. The physicality isn't like a, a JOK or a Nick Bolton. So he's kind of a guy who you're probably going to have to develop and you're not going to see him on the field much in his first year. So that's the issue with this mock. Didn't really get to address the linebacker spot. So maybe you do have to bring back Quan Alexander on a cheap deal or whatnot and figure that out. So that's something for me. Garrett Wallow at pick 133, not ideal. Now it should be noted though, with making, I actually made a move, but I moved back in this draft for this mock one with Pro Football Network. I got Garrett Wallow and I got an extra pick who ended up being Jared Patterson, pick 150. Now, you guys are like, why the hell did you draft a running back, Chris? Well, let's put it this way. I think this is Latavius Murray's last year with the Saints. I just think the contract, the way it's structured, get more cap space. You don't need him into his mid-30s. It'd be his last year of his deal. If he gives you three good years, which if he plays well this year, he would have given you three good years on that deal, you're ready to embrace that next running back next to Kamara. And Jared Patterson, first off, the dude's filthy. Let's just, just, let's just say what it is. The man had a 400-yard rushing game against Kent State. I don't care if it was against Kent State, against a, a JUCO team, against a high school team. 400 yards is 400 yards, no matter which way you slice it. The kid had over 1,000 rushing yards in like a six-game season for the MAC Conference. He's really good. His size, he's not big, but neither was Mark Ingram in terms of height. Mark Ingram was like 5'10", and that's where Jared Patterson's going to list out. I think he's a good scheme fit, too. I don't know if he met with the Saints. Uh, I know he met with a lot of uh, AFC East teams like the Bills and the Jets but I think he's an intriguing prospect. Running back is more of a need than you think it is. That's all I'm going to leave it at. You don't think running back's a need, but if we're talking about drafting for today and for the future, running back's a need. You need that guy next to Alvin Kamara, and I think Jared Patterson could be that guy. Now, we have a long drop until we get to our next pick, but 218, KJ Britt, Auburn, really like KJ in terms of his ability to be a thumper, really good physical guy, and in the run game, he's going to give you what you want. So I double up on linebacker, KJ Britton needs to get a hell of a lot better in coverage, though. That is a main concern. If you want a physical guy, a two-down linebacker, KJ's your guy. If you want a three-down linebacker and someone's going to be able to cover, KJ Britt's not your guy. He did meet with the Saints, though. There is some mutual interest there. I think he it's 2019 tapes impressive, missed almost all of 2020 with an injury, and then shined at the senior bowl to the point where he's named the linebacker on the American team, like the top linebacker on the American team. So I think there's a lot to like there. So I went KJ Britt at 218, 229. 
Jonathan Cooper from Ohio State, don't know how the hell he was there at, at 229. I think this was just a great value pick. It fills your Ohio State need that the Saints always have. It gives you another edge rusher next to Dalen Hayes. And more importantly, like I said, I'm a man of value. 229 for a guy who I have a fourth to fifth round grade on. I'll take Cooper in the seventh round and figure it out. And, and if Cooper or Hayes, one of them develops into a situational pass rusher, that's a hell of a draft for you to get with Newsom and Moore and Marlins. So I like that group. And then last pick, 249, kind of went with a, an interesting one. I went Jason Pinnock from uh, Pittsburgh. Really, really interesting cat, man. He is a guy who high points the football well, pretty good in some red zone situations, but then everything else isn't great. And that's what you got to figure out with Jason. Now, advanced metrics have him up there with like some of the best corners in college football. PFF loves this dude. I don't necessarily love his tape, but he high points the football well. He's a tall corner. He comes from a program that had a lot of good defensive players this year at Pittsburgh with Paris Board and Hamlin and, and uh, Twelman. And I believe they had uh, Rashad Weaver on their team. They had a lot of talent at Pittsburgh, especially on the defense side of the football. So I like Jason as a seventh round guy. If he doesn't work, he doesn't work. If he works out, you got great value in the seventh round. So I'm not sweating it. I'm okay with this draft, but that was my pro football network one. Now let's move over to the draft network one. And I kind of hinted at this one on Twitter. So you should know who the first pick was, but I picked 28. Don't know how the hell he fell, but I got Jeremiah Wusu Kormoa from Notre Dame. Probably one of the best names in the draft, but more importantly, one of the best prospects in the draft. This is a linebacker, point A to point B, sideline speed. He's got physicality. He's got coverage skills. He's got ability to force turnovers. He's got just a smart IQ player. He's got that great ability to track down a runner. He's got it all. The only thing he needs is about five more pounds, 10 more pounds to put on. Once he does that, he is perfect, in my opinion. If he falls to 28, depending on how the rest of the Saints board shakes out, I'd have to assume he'd be the pick. Now, I don't think he's going to fall to 28. I think it'd be just horrible by the rest of the league if he falls to 28. But if he does, he should be the pick for the Saints. And that's why I tweeted, if he falls there, and when he falls in the virtual world, I am rushing like Stanley on pretzel day to go get uh, Jeremiah, get JOK, put him on the Saints team, put him next to Demario, be a hell of a pairing. So I like that. So the need I didn't really fill much in the other draft, I filled in this one. Pick 60. I am a man of value. I'm going to keep saying it. So I could have reached on a corner. There wasn't that many great ones at 60. All my top guys were gone. And even guys I like in the second round, like Robinson from UCF and Asante Samuel from Florida State, they were gone. So at pick 60, who was my best pick? Value. Don't know how the hell he fell here. But Levi on Wuzurike from Washington. I have spoken to five different Pac-12 offensive linemen. All of them have told me he was the best defensive lineman they faced. He was the toughest guy, gave them trouble. He is an interior defensive lineman who can give you great pass rushing skills from time to time and will stop the run. He is, in my opinion, a first-round prospect. He has already met with the Saints. He checks off every box, and he's a day-one starter. So I got you two day-one starters on defense. Now, I haven't addressed corner yet, and that's a concern, but I do like that mock for the sole reason that I am getting a guy in on Wuzurike, who's going to make sure that he's got you covered in the middle of that defense. Now, th uh, third round, pick 98, I addressed corner. True Williams from Syracuse. He's long, he's rangy, he's athletic. Here's my problem for, for uh, Trill. I don't know if he's going to, like, there's a chance, and I know you guys are going to freak out here, but there's a chance he could be Stanley Jean Baptiste. Now, there's a chance it works out but there's a chance he could be Stanley Jean Paptiste. He has all the physical tools. Now is it, can he get coached up well? Because he doesn't turn his head around to the ball necessarily well. And there's certain technique issues that he needs to fix. Can Chris Richard fix that? I think he can, but uh, you never know with prospects. I think when, especially when you get the third round, it's all crap. You need to figure out what the hell you're doing. 
and it's tough. But Williams, one, fills a need, and two, has all the athletic gifts you want in a corner. So I took Trill. Now, in the event he doesn't work out, you always want to leave yourself a safety net, and that's why with my next pick, I took Keith Taylor from uh, Washington, another long athletic corner, tall dude, really physical. I think Keith, in my opinion, might be a little more technically sound than Trill. Trill definitely has a higher ceiling, but I went with that pairing of Williams and Taylor, so it gives you a safety net. Let's say it doesn't work out, you figure it out. One of them should maybe hit if you're lucky, so I wanted to double up. Let's go to my next pick, and this is one that I really like. Joshy Matterbebe from Illinois, 6'2", 215. Probably like a baby DK Metcalf in terms of looks. I mean, the guy is built. His vertical jump is, was crazy. His broad jump was nasty. He lit up his pro day, and, and I think he was a guy who people said maybe six, maybe seventh round. I don't know if he gets out of the fourth round with the way he performed at his pro day. He is a guy who can ev- eventually develop into a wide receiver too. I think he's got a lot of skills, and he kind of fits that Saints mold too. So I'd like Josh Matter, baby. I am going to make this very clear. I think the Saints should draft a wide receiver at some point in this year's draft, whether it is first or second, third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. I don't care what it is. This is a really nice wide receiver class. Go get yourself one of these wide receivers. Josh Matter, baby, is on my short list of mid-round guys that I definitely like. Get him at pick 133. I think the value is good. And I also just think he's a really good player for this system. I think he would work out. Now, we're not picking until 218 with the way this draft went down for me. So... Florida State defensive end, Joshua Kendo. I'm not necessarily liking this pick. I made this pick for one reason. The Saints needed edge. There wasn't a lot of guys on the board who I necessarily liked. So I went with the 6'7 guy who can maybe develop into something. And more importantly, he's more of a scheme fit than other players. There were guys who I kind of liked a little bit better in terms of college production, but they're really, to me, more 3-4 outside linebackers than 4-3 defensive ends. So Joshua, one, is a 4-3 defensive end, and two, is built almost like Davenport. So I thought, hey, if one's going to work out, maybe you get lucky. So I went with Joshua Kando from Florida State at 218. Let's go to 229. Finally addressed O-line. I know you O-line lovers are probably like, what the hell's wrong with you? You didn't get an O-lineman. And I did screw up in that regard. But I went with Brendan James from Nebraska at 229. I like Brendan James' versatility. He can play both tackle spots. He can play both guard spots. I think at the NFL, he's going to be a swing guard slash tackle. I think that's probably his niche in the NFL. So at 229, you get a guy who can play multiple positions. I think that's fine. I think it's good value, especially at the seventh round. Don't expect him to be a star at all, but expect him to maybe be a rotational piece. Worst case, a bench player. You never know. You need linemen. You can never have enough offensive linemen. So Brendan James with that pick. And my last pick, 255, Racy McMath from LSU. I made this pick strictly for special teams, but he ran a really good 40. Now, everyone at LSU ran like a 4-3-4 apparently, but funny enough. But I think McMath, he one, you know he's a special teams ace. Can he develop into a speed threat, a wide receiver, like a wide receiver four? Maybe. Worst case, I think you're getting a guy who's going to start, going to be a special teams player all four years. There's no shame in that. So I took a special teamers with a seventh round pick. Deal with it. But looking back at these drafts, which one do I prefer? Man, it's tough. And I don't even know. Is that a problem? I really don't know. I think I kind of like my second draft better because JOK is the best player on the board. And I think it's all about day one impact. And I think JOK and Wuzurike, I think they're going to be studs. Now, Moore and Newsom, I really like. And you know, they're like two of my, especially Newsom. Newsom's up there with my, you know, my draft favorites. But I think the second draft, I like a little bit more because JOK is just, this guy is just nasty. He's a filthy linebacker. And you know what you're going to get in him. The concern here, the first draft didn't really address linebacker. The second draft, 
didn't really address cornerback till third round. So it really shows you guys that the Saints are going to have a need more than you think. So that's why when you see they're, you know, they're lined up and they have to sign maybe a TJ Carey or Richard Sherman, I'm starting to think, yeah, that's not a bad idea to get one or two of them because you don't know if you're going to get a corner in this draft. Sometimes it shapes out weird. And even the guys I listed, they might not even draft any of the guys I just named. And it just shows you the draft's unpredictable. So we know what needs they have, but you don't know how the board's going to shake out. And I'll throw another name out there real quick. And this actually does fill a position need. Caleb Farley, in my opinion, is the best cornerback in this draft because of a back injury, second one now, and he's also had an ACL injury before. He might fall in this draft. He could be available at 28. And in my opinion, he's one of the 10 best prospects in this draft. Like you don't know how the board shakes out. I didn't think Lattimore was going to be available at 11 back in 2017. So we'll see what happens. I wanted to present these two mock drafts for you so you guys get an idea of what could shake down, how I would attack different situations and use different approaches for both. Obviously, I didn't address both the same way. One, I addressed quarterback early. The other one, I addressed linebacker early. So I think it's very, very interesting to see how that shapes out. And I, I advise you, if you enjoy this, go to Draft Network or go to Pro Football Network and, and make your own simulator. They're really fun. They each took me about 10 minutes and that's because I was thinking about them. If you don't want to think about them, you can finish one of these dudes in three minutes and you could just knock out that mock simulator. So if you guys want to check those out, but that's going to do it for this episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast. Again, if you're not already, fo- already following me on Twitter, go to at uh, Rose Vogel Report, R-O-S-V-O-G-L-O-U Report, and go follow Boot Crew Media. They've been doing some great stuff throughout of all, throughout all this, and check out Level Water, like I mentioned earlier in the show. But that's going to do it for this particular episode of the Straight Up Saints podcast. I want to thank you guys all so much for listening to this edition. Stay tuned for more content in the future, whether it's draft, whether it's rumors, trade signings, you hit me up. Let me know what you want to hear from me. And I'll discuss it on the Straight Up Saints podcast.